Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. A difficult morning for commuters, snow and slick conditions causing major backups and delays. Good evening and thanks for joining us. This morning's frustrations may pale in comparison to what's forecast to hit the south coast tomorrow. A snowfall warning is in effect for Metro Vancouver. Ten centimeters expected to fall in some locations. Jill Bennett is live in Vancouver where hopefully they have learned from past mistakes, Jill, and preparations are underway. They are, Chris. Right now, clear, cold, but that is expected to change. Already in Vancouver, some of the most notoriously slippery streets are closed, but it's expected things could be a lot slicker tomorrow morning. This is what the drive home looked like for many commuters south of the Fraser River Wednesday evening. Just enough snow to send some vehicles sliding off the road. Thursday morning, another headache. More vehicles spun out, unprepared for a February blast of winter. Three other cars uh, spun out in each other. It's crazy to drive like on these roads. In Vancouver, it took a little time to get cars cleared and ready to go. You're doing it for your wife? Yeah. She's eight and a half months pregnant, so oh, okay. this, is, this is not something that she needs to be doing right now. Car that's in the ditch. It's After the mayhem morning rush, the sun did come out, but don't let the spring-like feel fool you. There is more snow in the forecast, and that means road crews are working around the clock to stay on top of it. Then we also have this vehicle in the ditch. It's possible the Friday morning rush could look the same, if not worse, with city trucks competing with commuters. We're thinking if you have the flexibility and the availability to maybe work from home or take some vacation day based on current forecasts, tomorrow might be a good day to do that. Transit crews won't be taking a day off. Instead, they'll be working through the night like ordering a complete de-icing of all the trolley wires. We've ordered a full-scale sand and salt, sending out our de-icing trains on SkyTrain. Icy roads are a nightmare for many, but not everybody is dreading more snow. The problem is sometimes other drivers who are overconfident. Nothing wrong with a little bit of snow this time of the year. I work at the hospital. We're not being given that option. We're being told to make accommodations, stay closer to the hospital, figure it out. So... And it's not just the roads and transit being looked at right now. The B.C. Ministry of Transportation has actually put out a bulletin, and it's about the bridges, the Portman Bridge and the Alex Fraser Bridge. And they are saying that there could be temporary lane closures on both of those bridges tomorrow because there is snow and light wind in the forecast. They're saying that they may have to shut down some of those lanes while crews get onto the bridge decks for snow clearing. Best to check out Drive B.C. before you head out. Chris? All right, no doubt. And figure it out however you can. Let's check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon now for a timeline of when that snow will move in. Christy. 
Chris, this certainly has the potential of being a major snow event, but as always, we'll see a wide range in snowfall from 5 to potentially 20 centimeters of snow. Now, it should begin potentially around 7 a.m., but more likely between about 8 or 9 a.m., right when the morning commute is picking up. Western sections will see it first, and then it will spread into the eastern Fraser Valley regions. Now, through the late morning, afternoon hours, that's when the intensity really begins to pick up, and you'll see the heaviest snowfall. And then in the early evening hours, hours, conditions start to ease off, but it's still going to be spotty. Localized areas still could see significant amounts. So in a nutshell, it has the potential of affecting both the morning and afternoon commute. If you can call it a snow day, I would recommend doing so. <laughs> a lot of people will take you up on that. Thanks, Christy. Indeed, uh, we uh, will be buying wine again. As of when? Alberta Premier Rachel Notley announcing she is suspending retaliatory measures taken against B.C. over the Trans Mountain Pipeline dispute. Keith Baldry joins us live in Victoria with more on today's developments. Keith, uh, that announcement from Notley coming after Premier Horgan announced he's taking Mm -hmm. that pipeline stand off to court. Yeah, the Great Wine War is over, at least for now. It all has to do with this news release that came out on January 30th, and it's number five is what it's commonly called here. It's it's a proposal from the B.C. government to devise a regulation that would uh, control the increase of bitumen through the Kinder Morgan pipeline uh, until such a time as the knowledge base on what happens in a bitumen spill uh, would be be known and wider. But So Horgan has taken this particular clause and is now saying, okay, we're going to take that to court. That was a clause that triggered the wine war. That was enough for Rachel Notley to also take a step back today. Uh, You can see in her words how she characterizes B.C.'s move. But here's the two leaders at dueling news conferences within minutes of each other this afternoon. Uh, I I think it is fair to say that uh, in a small way uh, today B.C. blinked. Um, And uh, we are happy uh, on behalf of all those uh, working families across Canada who need to see the uh, billions of dollars that uh, the successful completion of this project will bring to the economy on an annual basis. This is intended to uh, have cooler heads prevail. We believe that the rule of law is important in this country. We believe the rule of law is paramount to the people of British Columbia. We have had other jurisdictions question our authority in this area. We've tried to work with the federal government to do a joint reference. They're not interested in that, so we're going it alone. So the wine war is over, but the dispute over the Kinder Morgan pipeline very much continues. So this is now in court. Who knows how long that process is going to be? It could take months, if not even uh, years, and eventually end up in the Supreme Court of Canada. Sophie? All right, thanks for that, Keith. And according to a new Angus Reid poll, Canadians are split 50-50 in support of B.C. and Alberta when it comes to the pipeline debate. Province by province, though, you can see while 58% of British Columbians support our government on the issue, those in Alberta overwhelmingly back their government. And finally, a delicious reminder of how well the food and wine industries in both our provinces go together. The inspiration behind this show of support coming up later. A Burnaby man is now facing a manslaughter charge in connection with a deadly altercation outside a pub. Back in December 2016, 53-year-old Russ Armfeld was found unconscious and unresponsive outside the Rose and Crown pub in Delta. He later succumbed to his injuries in hospital. Now, 20-year-old Franco Sara is charged with manslaughter. Police say the two knew each other. 
Police have once again raided a Chilliwack drug house where a man was killed last month. As John Waugh reports, this latest incident has only added to the growing frustration of neighbors who fear for their safety. Bags of garbage, broken glass, and plenty of bullet holes. Not the only things left behind at this abandoned alleged drug house on Broadway Street and Cedar Avenue in Chilliwack. It's frightening and it just becomes very normal in our lives. Neighbors too scared to be identified also stuck with a lingering sense of insecurity after multiple raids allegedly uncovering everything from drugs to guns. The criminal has more rights than the people that are having to deal with it. Now to understand the skepticism of neighbors, you have to know the timeline. On January 16th, RCMP conducted a search on this property and allegedly seized methamphetamines, opioids, guns, ammunition, even stolen items. Two weeks later, this house was the target of a shooting, which led to the murder of 28-year-old resident Cody Isaacson. But it did not end there. On February 15th, RCMP conducted another search warrant which found methamphetamines and drug trafficking paraphernalia. Somebody died. That's that's pretty much the top of the spectrum. Um, but it didn't stop them at all. Just days after his murder, Isaacson's mother even lamenting. Her son would have been better off in jail than in this home. They're caught with weapons and they're just detained. Honestly, my son should have been in jail. But with suspected criminals right back on the streets, neighbors say it's time to crack down on the properties as a primary target. There are going to be stiff consequences, including the, uh, the potential to, uh, to have that, that place seized uh, as being used for proceeds of crime. But that requires proof that owners are directly connected to the crimes. Neighbors say stricter laws need to be made to address known drug houses sooner. And if that means it's the homeowner's responsibility, then so be it. Until then, neighbors say they won't truly believe their nightmare on Broadway Street is finally over. John Hua, Global News. Transit police are asking for the public's help in solving a series of crimes that are putting lives at risk. There have been close to a dozen incidents of people stealing copper trolley wires in Vancouver over the past two years. The latest was just last month at Blanca and West 7th. The wires carry 600 volts of electricity and anyone touching them would likely be killed instantly. Replacement costs for those wires can run up to $50,000. Anybody that would put uh, the public at risk like that needs to be taken off the streets. But because it happens, these incidents happen between 10 at night and 8 in the morning, very few witnesses. Anyone spotting suspicious activity around trolley wires, especially at night, is asked to call the Transit Police tip line. The numbers are on your screen. A petition launched by parents of a Squamish teenager who died last month from an overdose is gaining traction tonight. Stephanie Lawrence's family wants the government to pass the proposed Safe Care Act, a measure they say will make it easier to save children severely addicted to drugs. Here's Aaron MacArthur. The grief doesn't go away, but Stephanie Lawrence's parents are turning their tragedy into action. We just need to change the system. We really do. They have launched a petition at change.org demanding the government look at safe care, a law that would allow the parents of kids with substance issues to have them involuntarily confined for a short period of time. Everywhere they turned while their daughter was alive was another roadblock. This just one more option for parents who need help. We're not trying to take the rights away from the children. We're just trying to be able to step in when 
they get to the point where they're incapable of making these choices for themselves. A Safe Care Act was drafted in 1998. It passed third reading, but a change in government put the bill in a drawer for two decades. Alberta allows for short-term restrictive care. It usually lasts a week, but can stretch out to 30 days. The BC Civil Liberties Association says there's no evidence that safe care actually works. You, of course, once you're released after your seven days, your 14 days, you're at an incredible risk of overdose. You've just been mandatorily detoxed. The wraparound services that are required to ensure, again, this kind of support is meaningful don't exist. Advocates for safe care admit it is an issue fraught with challenges. But on a case-by-case basis, especially ones involving kids, it's a tool worth trying. It's not going to bring her back, but hopefully we can help somebody else and save some children's lives. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. But right now, businesses in Vancouver's Yale Town District ramped up their protest today against the city's plans to eliminate as many as 80 parking spots along mainland and Hamilton. RIP crosses on parking meters, part of the protest. The city wants to cut angled parking, saying emergency vehicles can't get through. The Yaletown Business Improvement Association says if the city eliminated parallel parking on just one side of the street, it would create enough space and retain more parking spots. But they say their suggestions are falling on deaf ears. The city has put together a plan, and it's a bad plan, and it's not going to work. And we've presented them with a couple of other alternatives, and they don't want to change their plan. We agree we should lose some parking to make room for fire trucks, but not all the parking and not all the small business needs to be sacrificed. Businesses say the decision was made with no consultation. The parking spots could be eliminated as early as next month. Well, with the price of commercial space in Vancouver rising right along with other real estate, The city of Langley is trying to lure businesses to its downtown core. As Jennifer Palmer reports, the city has launched a contest that promises to give someone's startup a big leg up. It's a 1,500-square-foot blank canvas that's offering up free rent for six months. The Langley City Startup Up Contest has begun. One business idea will win. It has to be retail-based. We're very open-minded. It doesn't have to be something unique that's never been heard of before, but it does have to resonate. You will be welcomed into a diverse neighborhood with the support of The package is worth more than $100,000. It's a tool meant to diversify a growing community with zero vacancy in its downtown core. Our lease rates are extremely reasonable. We have the lowest business tax ratio, or the second lowest, in the whole lower mainland, I think. And we are uh, extremely likable down here. And while Langley City's business community is flourishing, areas in Vancouver are floundering. Take Vancouver's Robson and Granville Streets, where finding a vacant storefront is too easy. It's really a warning to places like the city of Vancouver and Richmond and Burnaby, really trying to engage the issue of rapidly increasing commercial rents, really that are outstripping uh, revenues. Sean Bone at Also Lunchroom knows where his bread is buttered, out in the valley. He opened his restaurant several years ago simply because it's more affordable. We probably save upwards to $5,000 to $7,000 a month, strictly just on lease. 
savings that are attracting talent beyond Vancouver's borders, adding to the business landscape of the valley. We used to have several vacancies at any given time, and in the last couple of years there's been a, a genuine a uh, phenomenally turnaround, I guess I want to say, where we have none. Started up Langley is the contest winner will be announced July 16th. Jennifer Paul, up. Global News. A Vancouver Island family is outraged their mother's beloved pet was taken away from her after she moved into a care home. As Kylie Stanton reports, adding insult to injury was the reason the cat was removed and what the care home replaced it with. It's sad. Dawn Douglas has lost her best friend. I would love to have her back. Her seven-year-old Siamese cross therapy cat, Snoop, which has never left her side, was taken away by staff at a Duncan Seniors care home. She feels quite helpless. It's really all Dawn had left prior to, to coming into care. Douglas, who suffers from dementia, moved into Sunridge Place a year and a half ago, a private facility owned and operated by Park Place Seniors Living. In that time, the family has worked tirelessly to allow Snoop to join her, even providing a doctor's note stating it would help improve her anxiety and help her focus. Recently, Sunridge approved it. In this email from a social worker there, it outlines the items the cat would need to bring along and confirms the family would cover all vet costs that might arise. Snoop moved in on February 10th, but in less than 24 hours, the nursing staff called saying they had no information on the cat being cleared to be there and it had to go. According to the staff, they were never told that the cat was coming. Um, but that's not Dawn's fault. When the family didn't come to pick up the cat, staff took further action. Telling her the cat was going to be taken for a bath and then all of the cat's belongings disappearing. Um, my sister had no idea where the cat was. The spokesperson at Park Place Senior Living did not return repeated requests for an interview, but did provide this statement, saying currently at Sunridge we have a staff member whose health is at risk because of severe cat allergies. As an interim solution, arrangements were made for the cat to be rehomed while we work with the family to find a solution, including the introduction of a simulated therapy cat. There we go. It is offensive. It, it's a stuffed mechanical cat. Snoop has since been brought home to be with Douglas's family. But despite everything, they won't be giving up their fight to reunite her with her rightful owner. It's upsetting. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Duncan. A stark example in Langley today of just how quickly a room can go up in flames if it's not equipped with a sprinkler system. One minute and three seconds is the status right now. And you can see and feel the fire that is happening. BC fire chiefs have held a demonstration to illustrate the difference between what can happen when fire breaks out in rooms with and without sprinklers. Right now in BC, 30 communities require them to some extent in new builds. Sprinklers are said to be the number one device to prevent deaths in house fires. And another warning today, this about the risks posed by shipping containers that are repurposed for use as storage units. WorkSafe BC says because they're designed to be watertight, they can have little or no ventilation. Less than a liter of gas stored inside can cause them to explode with deadly force, as one did in Enderby back in 2011. Now back to the pipeline feud and trade spat between B.C. and Alberta. An event in Vancouver tonight will bring the two frenemies back together. Linda Aylesworth now on how they're using a perfect pairing as a show of solidarity. 
This evening's menu at Edible Canada on Granville Island is a unique one, created for one special event. We have our charcoal rubbed Alberta bison flat iron steak, some smashed potatoes, wild mushrooms and celery puree. Planning began two weeks ago, not coincidentally, around the time Alberta announced its intentions to boycott BC wine. I was on social media that night it was first announced and seeing the reactions from people and I just thought we need to do something proactive. And so it was that a number of BC wineries united to create farm friends. We're bringing together, you know, some fantastic uh, food from Alberta, their beef, uh, Alberta beef, Alberta bison, and we're pairing it with BC wines and some BC food as well. This looks amazing. Mm-hmm. The Alberta beef tartare, capers, eggs, so a classic traditional presentation. It's going to go great with some of our big reds. BC wine and Alberta beef go together so well, it just seemed wrong that they should be forced to break up. And so instead of retaliating, they decided to take the high road. Really, farmers uh, is what we all are. And, uh, you know, you need to farm grapes in order to make wine. So we didn't want to do anything that was going to hurt Alberta farmers in return. But now it would seem Alberta is no longer poised to hurt BC vintners. Indeed, uh, we uh, will be buying wine again. The dinner, now a celebration, will go ahead. Why waste so much good food, good wine, and goodwill? Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Police officers in a southern Egyptian city guarding a bank when they're alerted to a five-year-old child dangling from a third-floor balcony above them. They scramble to find something to catch the child with, even grabbing a nearby rug, but there is no time. Luckily... As you saw, one officer catches the boy when he falls. The child was unhurt. The police officer was taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Well, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's already troubled visit to India has generated more unwanted headlines. The news that a convicted attempted murderer was invited to dine with the PM is just the latest development to raise some questions. Richard Zussman has the details. It is a controversy that has been plaguing Prime Minister Justin Trudeau for over a day now on his trip in India, disinviting Jaspal Atwal from a dinner that was tonight, Thursday night in India, at the Canadian High Commissioner's residence. The reason Atwal, who is prominent in the Indo-Canadian community in Surrey, was convicted of attempted murder in the 1986 shooting of an Indian politician on Vancouver Island. He is also a former member of the International Sikh Youth Federation, according to many media reports. But there is still significant concern that Atwal was ever invited. The individual in question never should have received an invitation. And uh, as soon as we found out, uh, we rescinded the invitation immediately. And the government of India can only see what the perception is. And the perception is that, uh, that the Liberal Party of Canada has been very close to the separatist movement in this country. We now know how Atwell ended up on the invite list. Here's a statement from Surrey Centre Liberal MP Randeep Sarai. Let me be clear, the statement reads, This person should never have been invited in the first place. I alone facilitated his request to attend this important event. I should have exercised better judgment, and I take full responsibility for my actions. And it isn't the only controversy that's been plaguing Trudeau on this trip. There are questions facing the Prime Minister tonight about why the government has foot the entire bill to send Vancouver chef Vikram Vij to India to prepare his cuisine. The PMO says it's pretty standard for the Canadian government to pay for chefs from Canada to go places in the world to showcase 
the food that they make. But there are still questions about whether this is an expense taxpayers should be covering, considering he's an Indian chef based in Canada, but going to India to produce Indian food. Richard Zussman, Global News, Vancouver. A sad update to a tragic story in southwestern Ontario, where a mission to find a young boy is now a recovery effort. As police are saying, it's unlikely he survived. Searching the Grand River near the community of Orangeville since early Wednesday, three-year-old Caden Young was in a van that plunged into the water. He slipped from his mother's grasp as she was trying to escape and was swept away. A guilty verdict today for a Montreal-area man whose pit bulls badly mauled a seven-year-old girl. It was in September of 2015 that Karim Jean-Gilles' two dogs attacked young Vanessa Biron in a park. She suffered injuries to her skull, a crushed ear canal, severed nerves and broken bones in her hand. And her parents say she still faces a tough battle. She couldn't eat anything but liquid for three months. Every meal was a crisis. She lost a lot of weight during that time. So, yeah, that, was a, that had a big impact on our lives. Jean-Gilles is already in prison for attacking a bailiff last year. Sentencing on his criminal negligence conviction is set for next month. Crown has asked for three years, but the judge says he would consider a longer sentence to send a message to Jean-Gilles and the public. In Health Matters tonight, a major British study confirms that depression medications are effective. Researchers looked at decades of data comparing 21 commonly used antidepressants. All were better than a placebo for treating depression in adults, although some worked better than others. Still, the study says the findings don't mean antidepressants should always be the first line of treatment. Well, BC's future Olympic prospects are gathering in Kamloops tonight for the BC Winter Games. And that's where a man who many consider to be the unofficial mayor of Kamloops is Mark Madriga <laughs> in his hometown right. getting ready to MC the hey. opening ceremonies. Mark? Uh, hey, thanks, Chris, Sophia. What a pleasure, what a thrill to be back in Kamloops, especially for such a great, great event, the BC Winter Games. Opening ceremonies right behind me uh, in about 15, 20 minutes. I'll be really excited to catch the stage. Uh, hundreds of athletes, hundreds of coaches. It's it's a huge event. Ellie Turwheel, hi. Hello. You are a former Olympian in Sochi, and I want you to tell me what you just learned. You're very excited. Uh, so a couple of my former teammates, uh, Kelsey Sirwa and Britt Phelan just came 1-2 in the ski cross. Fantastic. She was jumping up and down just a moment ago. Now, you are part of this event uh, through the weekend coming up because you actually participated here a few years ago. I did. I was a part of the uh, 2002 uh, Games in Williams Lake, and uh, it was a fantastic experience. It was a start to your Olympic career? It was. Uh, it was the first time, you know, you go to a big opening ceremonies. This is the start of uh, a lot of athletes' big careers. Oh, isn't that something? Yes, it is. It's a huge event. It's cold in Kamloops. It feels like winter, and it's going to snow a bit tomorrow. And again, the games go on all weekend. Nadia Stewart will have lots of reports. I'll be around in the morning with a report or two, and we're going to have a ball. So lots of uh, great athletes here from across the province, and the average age is just 14. So we'll, again, cover it through the weekend from uh, a cold night, but a fabulous atmosphere here in Kamloops. Guys, there you are. Thanks, Mark. South Koreans posting curling videos with robot vacuums, paying tribute to the unexpected breakout stars of the Winter Games. We'll tell you who the world has gone gaga for after the forecast.
That's right. Weather couldn't be more appropriate for the winter games in Kamloops. And down here on the Lower Mainland, let's get the latest from Christy about this uh, snowfall warning. Thanks so much, you two. So as we mentioned, uh, certainly a major snow event expected. This is what your morning uh, will look like right across the south coast. If you're in Tofino, you're expecting just rain up into the northern regions as well. Otherwise, snowfall. It will develop through the morning hours again. So not all areas will see it right away. But as at the earliest, probably 7 a.m. and then develop until about 10 a.m. This is what your afternoon looks like. Those of you across Vancouver Island, far lighter conditions. That's why your snowfall event won't be as major as what we'll see across the mainland. The snowfall continues through the afternoon hours there, and it will be heaviest actually through the late morning and afternoon hours. I wanted to zoom in, though, on the lower mainland. If you're right near the water, areas like Delta, Tawasson in particular, even in the afternoon, you may see a mix of rain and snow, and if that occurs, you won't see quite as much accumulation. It looks like areas away from the water will see the majority of it, especially up in the mountains, Howe Sound region and out in the Fraser Valley. Here's an example of what we could see. So as I mentioned, not as much moisture across the island regions, but a good five to potentially 25 out in the Fraser Valley and up the Howe Sound region being the hardest hit areas as well. But as always, there's a huge range. All right, for the interior region, snowfall warning for the north coast and the central interior where you could see up to 15 centimeters of snow. As that system makes its way further south, you'll see two to four centimeters of snow in areas like the southern interior. However, the bulk of the moisture really will be along the mountain ranges, the coast mountains, and again, along the Rocky Mountains. So all mountain passes are expecting significant snow through the day up to 20 centimeters. Coquihalla, Allison Pass, Kootenai Pass, Rogers Pass. So there's your forecast for tomorrow. These areas will see the snowfall first. It will drop to the south in the afternoon hours, continue through the overnight periods into your Saturday morning. For our region, all day, and then it will ease off overnight. But we still have a chance of flurries into our Saturday morning. Saturday looks beautiful. The next chance of snow will be on Sunday. And, of course, we'll refine that as we get a little bit closer. Some birthdays for you tonight. Betty Amundsen, Katie Eldred, and Mary Jane Reinstein. Congratulations to you all. And here's your weather window. That was from last night in Victoria. Mark Rosario sent us that. It's a beautiful shot. Thanks, Mark. It looks so peaceful. Thank you, Christy. Sure does. All right, never mind Lindsey Vaughn or even Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer. The real international breakout stars at the PyeongChang Winter Games are four young Korean curlers. Wow. <laughs> South Koreans are posting these curling videos with robot cleaner, robot vacuum cleaners and floor mops to pay tribute to the host nation's women's curling team. The rink, nicknamed the Garlic Girls for their small garlic-producing hometown, are now within striking distance of an Olympic medal, finishing first in round-robin play and clinching a spot in the semifinals. Their success story also inspiring memes, especially about Skip Kim Yun Jung's almost never-changing facial expression, regardless of the situation. Very focused. As, as she should be. As she should be at the Olympics. All right. Squire is here. How are you I doing, sir? Stay very good, actually. We just won a gold medal. We did. Yes. Kelsey Sirwa, so big celebration at Big White because that's where she learned. Mm-hmm. She won a silver in Sochi. She wins a gold in the women's ski cross. Actually, we had gold and silver in that event. So now we have 26 medals. Getting close to the target that's, 30. Of 30. That's, yeah, that's that tie, equals. Right? Yeah, that, that equals what we had in Vancouver, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 10 of them gold, I believe. Mm. 
Yay, two more medals. Yes, Good. just happened. A few minutes ago, Kelsey Sirwa, Kelowna, won gold in the uh, women's ski cross final. Now she won silver four years ago in Sochi. There she is in Sochi. Uh, two years ago, she wrecked her knee, nearly retired from the sport, came back, and boy, is she glad she did, and so are we. Uh, that means that Canada has always won gold in this event, the women's ski cross, all three times it's been in the Olympics. And if that's not enough, winning gold, Brittany Phelan of Quebec won the silver. She was right behind Kelsey Sirwa. So, Medal standings, oh, we've moved up overall. Now we're at 26. We're not going to catch Norway, but the thought that we could get 30 is very much in play. Well, it's not official yet, but it will be official next week. The NHL will announce next week that Vancouver will host the 2019 NHL draft. That'll be the draft that features Jack Hughes, the American. He could go number one. Another highly touted prospect for the 2019 draft is actually playing for the Vancouver Giants, defenseman Bowen Byram. He could be a top five pick next year. And this will be the third time that Vancouver has hosted the draft. The first time was 1990. They held it at BC Place. That's when Yermir Yager was drafted by Pittsburgh. Canucks obviously didn't take Yager. They took Peter Nedved, second overall. And in 2006, it was held at Rogers Arena. And the Canucks that year, Michael Grabner in the first round. Actually, you know what? Not a bad pick. He's still playing in the NHL. Good speed. Who knows? The Canucks might be picking in the top three, four, or five in 2019 as well. So last night, women's gold medal final in hockey, it was as close as everyone thought it would be. I know a shootout is no way to decide a gold medal, but you usually feel that way when you don't win the shootout. If you win the shootout, then you say, yes, it's a terrible way to decide, but hey, we won. Um, the U.S. won the game, of course, and quite frankly, as that game went on, the Americans were the better team. You have to admit it, they were certainly faster, especially in overtime. Tomorrow morning, our men's team still going against Germany that is a semi-final game. All right. John Tavares could be a free agent in the summer. It looks like he might be. And if he does, maybe, maybe he'll go to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Who knows? Uh, Matthew Barzell. Coquitlam's Matthew Barzell, who is a leading rookie scorer right now and the leader for the Calder Trophy. And he gets a goal there to give the Islanders a 2-0 lead against the Maple Leafs. He's a local guy. Here's another local guy. West Vancouver's Morgan Riley scoring for the Leafs to make it 2-2. Then Barzell gets an assist here on Jordan Eberle's goal, and it's a weird one. He was trying to pass it, it just bounces in. They're in overtime now, 3-3, because Austin Matthews tied it up. Okay, one thing about women's hockey, getting back to women's hockey, a medal is an automatic for Canada. Aside from the U.S., the other countries are not even in the same universe. We also think that way about curling. Canada should always be on the podium in curling. And they were until this year when our women's team failed to qualify for the playoffs. The best our men can do this year is bronze. Now, we did win gold in the new event, the curling mixed tournament, where they have one man and one woman. But the traditional four-team event has not gone as planned for us. Rattle, squirt, a little bit more, away it goes. World <laughs> Championship for Canada. That's what we're used to seeing when Canada's on the international curling stage, championship trophies and gold medals. But for the first time since curling became an Olympic medal sport in 1988, one of our Canadian teams will not be on the podium. Rachel Homan, who just won the world championship last spring, didn't even make it to the semifinals, finishing four and five in the round robin. Compared to worlds or nationals or anything like that, um, Olympics is about 10 times the stress. And they're going to Salt Lake City. 
Kelly Law knows all about big expectations on the Olympic stage. She skipped Canada to a bronze medal at the 2002 Games in Salt Lake City. Even then, she remembers it was not the colour Canadian curling fans or her rink were expecting. We just thought that we would win gold. So when we lost that semi-final and had to play for bronze, it took a while. It took some time to um, accept it. Canada's men have been extremely successful at the Games, winning three gold and two silver in the five previous Olympics. But Kevin Cooey, a two-time world champ, lost his semi-final to the United States and will play for bronze. Um, but just looking at them, and you know, you talk about the the overall facade like what your face is looking like and are you having fun out there because it, it is about having fun and uh, they just yeah it just looks very stressful and so you you really don't know what teams are dealing with Canada is still considered the best curling nation in the world no one can touch our depth but on any given day we are beatable which was on full display in Pyeongchang a credit to the USA this country will never brush off missing out on Olympic curling gold. I think a blip. Yeah, absolutely. They just have to wait four more years to get back to the top of the podium. Very delay, global sports. How about some exhibition soccer? Whitecaps in L.A. against the Galaxy. And two of their new players are going to score. The first one, Anthony Blondell. Nice. It's good camera work following him. And then Kai Kamara. I love this behind the net. It's like one of the parents filmed this for us. Right. Kai Kamara in. Vancouver wins it 2-0 in an exhibition game. Season starts very soon, early March. There you go. Exciting. Thank yep. you, Squire. You're welcome. Here's a look at your snow report. Whistler Black home with a base of 298. Grouse 400, Cypress 395, and Sasquatch 330. Revelstoke with a base of 259, Manning Park 197, Powder King with a base of 260, Mount Washington with 12 new centimeters of snow and a base of 245. Big White 281, Silver Star 247, Sun Peaks 221, and Apex 258. Well, asking someone to your graduation ceremony is a big deal for anyone, so sometimes a little help comes in handy. When the star athlete at a Moncton high school saw his buddy struggling to make a date, he came up with a promposal that captured more than just one heart. With the biggest night of the year coming up in a few months, prom, this football star graduate was secretly planning out what he hoped would be the perfect promposal. But here's the catch. He wasn't out to woo his own date. No, he was helping his number one buddy, Jacob Bash Trash, ask his secret crush, Abby Perry, to prom. And You know, just really was looking to be able to do something to help him out. You're going to have to come watch some of my games next year at Acadia. Ben and 19-year-old Jacob have become teammates of sorts. They've been hanging out together at school pretty much every day for the past three years. Is he a pretty good guy? Yeah. Yeah? So when the time came for Jacob to find a prom date, Ben, of course, stepped in to help. I suggested to go do it up on the stage in front of everybody, and he was pretty excited about that. If I could get Abby Perry in grade 12 to come to the front of the stage over here. The high school football captain called Abby, who has Down syndrome, up to the stage for one of the most heartwarming promposals ever to be made at the school. Were you scared at ever any point that you might not say yes? So, so. With the words prom spelled out in cardboard, Jacob handed Abby a baseball. It says, 
I might strike out, but will you be my catch to prom? And it was pretty obvious from her reaction, he got the answer he was looking for. Oh, hey, say yes. Happy. So I said yeah. It was really good. I, I considered Jacob to just be like one of the guys. And uh, how about a big hug? A teammate? Now with a date. Touchdown. Shelly Steves, Global News, Moncton.